In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. I think one of the things that I'm definitely guilty of and wish I could do different was, was how I raised my kids because I didn't spend enough time in the formative years. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is for you to become your best by calling you in to the arena of manhood, calling you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and calling you up to your absolute best version of you. Because when you get it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with the Mixmaster producer, co-host, and the backbone of the Men in the Arena podcast, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. good hey, hey you. man, I'll tell you what. Our mission is to call men to their best version of themselves, and I believe today's guest will move our men closer to that journey because this guy is a stud, man. He's a good friend of mine. He's what I call a serial entrepreneur. In his life, he started many businesses. He's grown them to multi-million dollar companies. He's a tremendous risk taker. He works his rear end off and he is still at 64 years old crushing it. More than that, this guy's learned uh, through the school of hard knocks what it means to be in balance, out of balance, take great risks, to manage all of this stuff. He has tremendous wisdom and I'm really excited to hear about this guy today and I'm really excited to have him on the show. But before we bring him on and I tell you who this guy is, do you have any review shout-outs for us today? Oh, I do. We have the Mr. Uh, live Free or Die in New Hampshire. Yeah. Gotta love New Hampshire, baby. <laughs> he uh, Great show, he says, although I wish you named it differently. I'm reading this because Jim wants to, to uh, say something about this. I would like to send uh, this to my wife so she can listen, but she isn't going to get past the title. Great shows. Look forward to them. So, so live free or die in New Hampshire. Good news for you. We have changed the podcast from Man Card to Men in the wow. Arena just for that reason and many other reasons. So you can let your wife know. She will be excited. <coughs> we will send you some swag. So make sure you get your address to us. All right? Yeah. Hey, do you have a man word for us today? I do. Uh, and this, it's going to have nothing to do with our guest. Oh, oh courtesy. Okay. Okay, so, okay, so is would, the word courtesy? It is courtesy. You didn't give a chance to guess. I know, because you wouldn't have anyway. I wouldn't have guessed. Years. Why are you going with courtesy? I, I That's just, an interesting man word. So today I'm dropping my, my kid off at school, and I'm watching the behaviors of kids as they're walking to school anymore. They're oblivious to what's going on around them. They don't even look up at a driver when they go across the street. They go through a crosswalk, and they're looking at their phone the entire time. There's no, like, hey, I'm going to look up and see if anybody's going to hit me. Um, is it a good time for me to walk? Um, 
there's this uh, like entitled behavior, um, and it's a scary thing where people walk around and courtesy has a lot of times gone out the window. Going in and out of the gym this morning, uh, the other guy and I opening the door for somebody, you know, looking people in the eye and uh, just making that that contact with people, thinking about others other than yourself. Even though you might be in a crosswalk, you do have the right of way. This is true, but you should look up before you die. Yeah, well, we keep we keep uh, bad mouthing the younger generations as being entitled, but their parents invi- in- invented the, in- the participation trophy. So really, we're we're looking at these millennials and blaming them, but it's really their parents who are. Yeah, fault, what are right? the men teaching? Well, what here's the deal: courtesy. The uh, if courtesy, another word for courtesy would be selflessness mm-hmm. or serving. So when I'm courteous to somebody else, I'm actually taking the time to put them in front of me. I'm opening the door for somebody else who can totally open the door for themselves. Right. I'm smiling. I'm shaking a hand. I'm looking in the eye. I'm actually offering myself to somebody else where uh, many people today do the opposite. It's all about them, head and phone, my life, my goals, my job, my me, 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 me. They're like seagulls. Mine, mine, mine. <laughs> yeah. And so courtesy. I like it. Good word. Threw Thanks. me off there. I was going to... I was going to choose a word based on who our guest is. Then I was going to choose a word based on the new year, and and I would have lost in both cases. So (laughs) Dale won, Jim zero. Hey, I'm excited about our our guest today on the show, John Strasheim. Uh, He's from Junction City. John and I have known each other for about five or six years now. He's 64 years old. He's been married to his wife for 45 years. John is a serial entrepreneur. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, his life in business. John turned down a baseball scholarship to go into business with his dad to start an equipment and real estate auction business called Northwest Auction Company. From 1977 till present day, John has bought and sold several businesses, including hotels, three livestock yards, a farm, auction company, selling real estate, and in 1999 started Bowtech Archery. He grew that company in seven years to a company that was was a $50 million company and had 385 employees. And this is in Junction City. This is like a little teeny town on the way to somewhere else. You know, I don't know what the population is, like 5,000. Is it even 5,000, John? Uh, it's a little more than that now, about six, I think. Okay, big, a thriving metropolis. Anyway, he, he was by far, this company, Bowtech, was by far the largest bow company in the world at the time that John owned it. Botech was ranked number 995 in the 2008 Inc. 5000 and 162 in Entrepreneur Hot 500. John's mo- John sold that company, and now his most recent projects were starting S4 Gear. Uh, he now owns Chrono Health and is also the owner of Cosmos Creations. He is crushing it. He's a good friend of mine. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. So you got a little scratch this morning, huh? Yeah, I do. Getting, getting over some stuff. Well, it's okay. It's okay. If you cough, we'll just blame it on Dale because nobody can see who's coughing. <laughs> hey, John, we're going to start off the show and get you warmed up a little bit. We're going to throw you into what I call our rapid fire round. And this will be our word association round. So what I do here is I just pick some words that I think you can speak into, and I just give you the word, and you just tell me what you think about that word and why. So you can't lose. Okay. All right, here we go. The first word is life. Life? Yes. Um, that'd be the life of Christ, life in Christ, and living through that. Well, we know what he believes, don't we? All right. That's good. You, you, I didn't know that you would go that route, but I'm impressed, which is which shares, it's your heart. I love it. So next word is risk. Uh, 
risk. Yes. <laughs> if you had a picture of risk in the dictionary, that'd be my picture. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm not half nuts. And so risk is, uh, <laughs> risk is part of my vocabulary. I don't even think about it. Everybody else thinks I'm crazy, but uh, I just, I don't know why I've just always kind of been that way. I don't even think about it. I, I love that. I love that. So, hey, here's your next word. Here's your next word that goes along with risk, and the word is work. Uh, another picture of me, probably. Work work a lot. Um, used to work a whole lot more, but uh, used to work seven days a week and have several businesses going, and and that's before I was a Christian. And so, yeah, but we've, my dad has taught us how to work. It's five of us kids and four boys, and we worked in all the businesses and we worked at, on the farm and we had several things going all the time. But, uh, we just, we just learned how to work at a young age. Wow. That's good. So, so you say you don't work as much as you used to. What are you, you're 64 years old now. You could retire if you wanted to, but you're still working. How many hours a week are you working? Uh, probably only about 50. <laughs> man, lazy. <laughs> That's that's impressive, man. Yeah, every time I walk, every time I come down there and visit, I try to drive down there about, I don't know what, tw- twice a year maybe, once yeah. once or twice a year to say hi. Not and to enough. Hang. Not enough. Not yeah. Well, I'll, I'll come down soon here, but you're always running around working, going crazy, and I'm like, man, this guy's impressive. I mean, just a, a tremendous example. So, next word is which goes along with a uh, work is balance. Yeah, balance. I had to kind of learn and uh, I think it's a great one to learn uh, if you do work and you do have a lot of things going on and whether you own businesses or whether you, you're just working two jobs or whatever you're doing if hobby or what you can get kind of caught up into work and, and really be out of balance and I I, I did that uh, early in my life when the kids were my two boys I have two boys and uh, they were one was about uh, I guess 10 and the other one 12 or or so, and I it just wasn't spending any, enough time with them. And so we kind of got, I was certainly out of balance. So I've learned that um, back and came back and uh, started more businesses, but uh, I have balance. I, I spend time with my wife and, and uh, kids I don't have, and I have grandkids, which I love spending time with too. But uh, I don't have as much, uh, you know, going on in my life that I can't, uh, find a balance, find time to balance church and, and ministry and, and work and, you know, life as well. So. Okay. Last word here. And again, this is uh kind of going along with some of the things that we've shared and I've read. How about the word priorities? Well, priority, you know, when you're in business, it can be right in front of you. You can look at priority and say, Hey, without doing this or without doing that, we don't survive. We don't, those priorities can be, um, become what drive you. Uh, and it's probably not necessarily the best thing sometimes that, that ought to be what's driving you. So I think that ties in with the balance because if you don't have that, uh, focus, uh, trying to be balanced, then your priorities can certainly get off. Yeah, and, that's... Uh, and when you're in business, it can certainly get off pretty it's easy. You've, you've, you've got a lot of people working for you. You've got to keep it going and they become a priority. And sometimes you just have to step back and rebalance. Yeah, that's interesting. As a young man, I, I had to develop my priorities. But as I've gotten older and our uh, ministries expanded, 
the priorities kind of come to you. You're hit with them constantly getting bombarded. So you don't exactly. have to look for the priorities. I used to seek goals out. Now the goals are in my face. There's you, you like you see it. You go, well, I don't have a choice. I've got to have this goal. Otherwise, uh, we fall or we don't go to the next level. And so uh, in, the, in the midst of that, making the things that are really important a priority. I really appreciate that. So, hey, John, let's uh, start off. I, I mean, I've read a short bio, but I want our listeners just to get to know you a little bit. Can you take some time here and just tell us a little bit more about your personal life, the things you enjoy, hobbies, uh, family, anything that comes to mind, just so our listeners can get a better picture of who John Strasheim is? Well, the one thing about having multiple businesses is you don't have time for hobbies. Um, at least I don't take time for hobbies, let's put it that way. My, my, probably the favorite thing I have to do is work. Uh, I enjoy it. If I'm not working in the business, I'm building something. Uh, built several houses and different buildings. And, and I love, I took architectural drawing in high school and I love to draw plans. So I'm actually drawing a couple house plans right now. And if I get extra time, that's kind of what I'm, I'm messing around with. That's kind of my hobby, I guess. But uh, that uh, just, the, I have two kids and when we, had to rebalance our life back in, I think it was 88. Um, they become a little more uh, aware to me in my life that I should be, I should be raising them instead of just kind of coming home and providing for them. So it, it, it changed the way I thought of them. We spent more time together. We went, we moved to Nebraska and managed to, uh, dad had a couple of farms out there, 1,850 acres of irrigated ground. And we ran a couple hundred mother cows and, uh, you know, the kids working on the farm, that was a great experience for them. And you got to spend a lot of time with them. So that, that helped quite a little. They've grown up and actually they work with me in, in the business. And uh, uh, I have, now I have, uh, I have uh, five grandkids Um we lost one last year to uh, muscular dystrophy, uh, but oh, uh, grandkids are pretty cool. If I'd have known how good grandkids were, I probably would have skipped kids and went right to grandkids. <laughs> so but, now you made a comment. I'm just want a clarification. You said uh, you're raising. You're talking about raising your sons. Now, were you talking about when they were younger, or are you talking about in their 40s that you're still involved no, when, in raising the sons? When they were younger. There wasn't much involvement. I was working seven days a week and coming home late and leaving early and, um, you know, just not, not really involved. My wife was taking care of the kids. They were young enough. And so, and we lived in a country, so they didn't play a lot of sports and, and things. Um, so it was mainly, a lot of it was on her. And so I wasn't raising the kids much. I wasn't involved as much. Um, maybe more so on the discipline side when, wait till your dad gets home, that kind of thing. But as was, I wasn't involved as much, and that's what it took. I needed. I realized that, and that's when I decided I'm selling out. I'm gonna. We're gonna. Dad had these places in Nebraska. He needed some help back there. Anyway, I said, perfect. I'll move back there. I'll build you a new house. Um, we'll just recharge and and uh, refocus. And and if we like it, we'll stay back there. And if we don't, we'll come back. So uh, we came back after two years. Um, changed the whole kind of really their whole family structure a little bit. And, and then they grew up and had kids and now I'm, you know, involved with grandkids, but my youngest grandkid now is uh, just turned 10 or 11, excuse me. And uh, the oldest one's 21. So. Oh, wow. 
So when you look back on that season, let's say in the mid mid to late 80s, is that a, a time of regret for you? Or is that a time where you say, hey, man, this is a great learning curve where I've learned to parent and grandparent different? How do you, how do you go back and view that? Well, I think it, it, I view it definitely as um, it was a great learning experience. It was a great refocus. But I think what really drove that as much of it as anything is uh, in 1983, I, uh, well, actually probably 82, I was sitting in a hot tub with my wife and she says, uh, you mind if, and I wasn't a Christian at the time. And, and I went, I'd been going to the Catholic church when I was younger, but hadn't gone in years and and uh, she says, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. And she said, do you believe in the Bible? I said, of course. <laughs> she says, well, you know what the Bible says? I said, well, kind of like the smart aleck I was at the time. I said, no, but I'm sure you're going to tell me. <laughs> so she says, well, the Bible says you're the spiritual leader of the household. The man is, not me. And I'm sitting here raising these boys and taking them to church and trying to uh, let them experience God and they see their dad not interested, not going to church, not really being involved at all. And she says, that's not my job. That's yours. And that really hit me right between the eyes. It's like, what do you say? You're pretty captive you know, mm -hmm. in the hot tub sitting there. What do you say? You can't run away. Yeah. And so I, I, I said, okay, um, you're right. You're right. I'll go back to church and expose the boys to religion um, that my idea of that was, okay, I'm going to go to Christmas, Thanksgiving and Easter and two or three or four scattered in between. And, and so, um, it, it wasn't that way though. So when I went back to church, uh, she had been raised Lutheran. I was raised Catholic. She went to a Baptist church that, uh, and her Eugene that my mom was uh, going to and tremendous Bible teacher to me. He just picked apart the verses and I just learned so much. And I'd never experienced that in the Catholic church at all. It was, you know, I, I don't want to say anything bad about the Catholics, but uh, it's just, it wasn't a personal relationship type of religion and had never experienced anything like this. So got involved, got uh, finally ended up getting saved uh, in the Thanksgiving of uh, 83. Mm. And uh, I remember she knew I probably wouldn't come forward because I'm probably one of those guys that's not going to go forward, you know, <laughs> tough guy kind of, kind of guy. So she said, uh, I, I, I think, I really think you're getting close, but would you do me a favor? If you accept Christ, would you tell me? I said, mm -hmm. yes, I'll tell you. So going in the back I, from church one day on Thanksgiving in 83, I, I said, okay, I, I accepted Christ today. She, of course, she starts bawling. And I said, okay, calm down, calm down. I said, I may be a Christian now, but I said, I'll be darned if I'm going to listen to that gospel music. I like rock and roll. <laughs> and about uh, two or three months later, I was singing in the choir. So, Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> you got to see how it changes you. So that kind of precipitated a lot of that start of the refocus and growing and understanding what life was about more than just working all the time and money and uh, running businesses and being being very in essence very selfish uh it's all about me uh even though it wasn't all about me in my mentality because i wanted to provide for my family and i wanted to grow it and, you know be a good a good father uh, it 
it was it became aware to me that that wasn't what I was doing. So that actually kind of led down the road to this uh, here a couple of years later than us saying, okay, I'm going to sell out. I'm going to I'm going to regroup. I'm I'm burnt out. We had three livestock auctions and and the equipment auction. We were going like crazy, and it just it just was nuts. So that's when we kind of made the made the move. So in 1986, you experienced this, uh, what you called the burnout moment from being out of balance and mm-hmm. that, and you moved to Nebraska just after that? In 88, I, I, I sold everything. And then I, what we did is we, we, uh, we built a, uh, fourplex. Um, we built, I built a feedlot, uh, out here north of Junction city. There's, we bought a piece of property and we had an old farm kind of, there was used to be, they used to feed some cattle. We re renovated that and, and uh, made it into a 650 head feedlot, uh, still operating today. But I, I just kind of went out there and got away from the daily uh, business grind and went out there and built and you know just had a great uh, time just understanding what it, life was more about than, than running and hard and running and blowing hard. So. Well, I mean, and that's, you know, our guys that are listening to us, are, we call them our men in the arena. These guys are running hard. They're blowing it hard. They're going for it. You know, uh, and there's, it sounds like there's a dance that men do between balancing your family, personal life, and work life. Like, there's this dance. There's a tension between getting the job done and then being uh, in the role that we're called to as father as husband, as community leader, what advice would you give these men who are living in this stress bubble of life right now? What what things can you pass on to them so they don't have this uh, burnout type of moments? They can stay in the game and, and continue to uh, do the things that they uh, need to be doing. Well, certainly, uh, it, if, if I had to use one word that is probably my favorite word, it's focus. Because what we focus on is what we also tend to spend our time on and if you're focused on just getting enough money to buy the next new pickup or go on the next hunting trip or and you've got to work extra hours and you've got to do all that that focus is on what you want but that's not necessarily what is best and so what i've learned especially here lately is it isn't about what you have because i've had a lot and i've had nothing uh it's more about having the kind of mindset that says everything that I have is from God. Uh, I love the verse that says my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's his, it's his stuff, his money. It's his time. You're taking away his time. You're taking away um, the, the, the benefits that you could be um, using your time in ministry away from him as well. When you do that. And so you know, get, stay involved in ministry, stay focused don't worry about what the neighbors got and, and you're trying to out buy them. And you know, the guy with the most toys wins in the end. No, that's not right. That focus leads to out of balance and you can be focused in, in many ways that are not healthy. Um, you can be not driven in business, but still not focused on the right thing. So to me, I think one of the best words in, that I use all the time and that's focus uh, because that helps me stay balanced. So, John, so money clearly is not a motivator for you. You're 64 years old. You don't, I would assume you could retire right now and be fine, but you continue to have drive. You continue to be motivated. What What is your primary motivation at this point in life for you? Well, um, one thing is that I've learned, uh, and I learned it at Botech, and 
and uh, we do it here as Cosmos as well, is that whatever we do, we try to honor the Lord. So uh, just like in our bags, uh, every one of our bags has a, a verse on it. Um, and so we, we you know, throw that out there. We're a Christian company. The name of our company is actually the number four, Him Food Group. And uh, we do business as Cosmos Creations. So uh, it's really kind of designed to be for Him. We want that to be a ministry out where a lot of people see that and understand what we're about, who we are, and what are what are really what drives us. We did the same thing in in uh, in Botech. Um, after the first, we grew so fast in Botech the first year or so, uh, we couldn't make payroll um, several times. And that very that very day, uh, we got something in and was able to make payroll. It was amazing. So it was evident that God was. God was driving this thing and God was in charge and God would look out for us. And so we, uh, we, we made it a goal. We, we started a Bible study at work and, uh, we had, when we ended up, we had so many employees, we had three Bible studies. Uh, but we, we, I led the Bible study every Wednesday morning and, and, you know, grew it till, and we had two other shifts and, and, and it just kept going. But what we said was, if we honor him, he will bless us. And so what we, whatever we do, we honor him if it's through Cosmos or Botech or whatever. So uh, we put a, I got a good story to tell you too, because we put a, a, a scripture on the box and it was Philippians 4.13. Uh-huh. And so uh, it had been on the box for, I don't know, a couple of years. And, and uh, this guy calls in to, and my, my assistants who took all my calls said, motion to me she says you need to take this call and i said who is it she says it's a consumer and i motioned like i i got guys that take consumer calls what what do you what do you what's the deal and she says you need to take this call i said okay so guy gets on the phone and he says i'm never buying another one of your bows as long as i live i said why what's the problem he said because you guys are liars <laughs> you made what do you mean <laughs> he says he says you, you, he says, you say that it's made in the USA, you put a flag on your bows, and uh, and they said it's not. I said, what do you mean it's not? It's made right here in, in Oregon. Uh, there's a factory right here in Oregon. We make it at. He says, it says right on your box, Philippines. <laughs> I said, no, that's Philippians. It's a Bible verse. There was silence on the phone. He goes, oh click i saw that one coming oh my gosh yeah so if we, you don't do... so we end up spelling the whole verse out now <laughs> oh that is so funny made in the philippines via junction city oregon oh hey well let's go back let's talk about Botech because i i shoot a Botech. my son shoots a boat i mean we love Botech. that's that's our our bow of choice and you're a friend of mine and in oregon Botech is still hugely wildly popular why Botech? Why well, tell us the story? Why did you start that company? What motivated you? <laughs> well, actually, nothing really motivated me. <laughs> I actually was selling uh, real estate and uh, buying and selling on my own. And plus, I went and got my real estate license. I was uh, I was selling a lot of commercial real estate, and I enjoyed it and doing very well at it. And a couple of years before that, there was a friend of mine who needed uh, needed some money and he came to me and I loaned him money and he had a uh, company called Oregon Bow in Junction City and uh, they couldn't buy parts fast enough they needed money so I it was a friend of mine I loaned him 150,000 and he 
and he came back a little bit later and he says, uh, uh, I need you, I need some more money. And I, so I thought, uh, better go out and check this thing out and see what's going on. Found out that, uh, uh, they were stealing bows out the back door and they were doing drugs with the secretaries after work. And it was a mess. And so that ended up basically going down. I wouldn't loan him any money and I lost 150,000 out of that deal. And so the guy that was, uh, they had licensed a cam through, uh, his, his design that was driving all their sales came to me and wanted to start another boat company. And I said, no, 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 I don't want to start another boat. I don't know anything about manufacturing. I don't, I, I like what I'm doing. I don't, and he just kept after me. So finally I said, okay, if you can do these three things, and I gave him some pretty long odd type things to, that I figured he's not coming back. If you can do that, I'll put in 50,000. We'll start it. He lived in Louisiana at the time. You, you build the bows down there. I'll do the sales and marketing up here. And if you, uh, if you, uh, uh, if it takes off, I'll hire somebody to run it. So I really didn't think he'd ever come back. And so he did, he came back and I thought, well, I told him I would, so I've got to do it. And so we started Botech and nobody in their first year in archery had ever sold more than 380 bows. And so I thought, well, we can sell a few hundred bows and I can manage that pretty easy and, you know, it would be fine. The first year we couldn't ship bows seven months out of the first year because we couldn't buy parts fast enough. And uh, we'd shipped 3,700 bows that first year. <laughs> and then 9,200 bows the next year and at 15, six, and it just went, just went like that every year. Never had a year. We didn't grow 50% or more. So I put together, I run out of money. And so that was growing so fast. Uh, I ran out of money and I put together a local group um, of investors they liked it. They wanted to invest, but they said, we're not going to invest unless you're running it. And so I basically had to give up real estate and go to running a boat company that <laughs> I really didn't necessarily want to own. Or be. I, I wasn't a hunter. I wasn't a bow guy. I wasn't, you know, I just, I never spent enough time hunting and, and fishing and stuff because I was, seemed like I was always working. So, uh, but it worked out great. You know, the Lord blessed it. So, do you want to tell that story you shared with me uh, years ago about how uh, the little trick you played? I don't want to say trick, but about the speed of the bow and how you got Bowtech to go public, as far as everybody knowing who they were. Is- <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we, what we did was <coughs> with this guy's designs, we were the fastest bows in the world. And every other manufacturer out there, really, they lied, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> they, some of the speeds that they said their arrows would shoot, it, shooting downhill in a 100-mile-an-hour wind wouldn't have done it. So <laughs> we went in saying, we're going to be honest in everything we do. So we actually went to the first um, ATA show bringing a chronograph and proving to people that the bows really did shoot the speed. And we would invite other bring your, bring your model over here, bring this over here and, and let's, you know, let's, let's test it against it. And they wouldn't do it. So anyway, <laughs> what, what we did is we, we started with a campaign that basically was full page ads, world's fastest bows guaranteed Bowtech. That's all it said. And it really kind of got the attention of people. So then we, I, this designer that I had, had was down in, a, a shoot in uh, Louisiana and it was, they had a speed contest and he blew everybody away. The bow shot 353 foot a second. When oh. The closest one in that, in that uh, uh, 
the chute was 305. So we just blew everybody away. And so what, what we did is we had a couple guys scattered around the country that were, you know, they were friends of ours or, or they, they loved our bows or whatever. And so we said, this is when the forums were going, the bow forums were, were going pretty strong and I they may still be, I don't follow them, but um, we had one guy say, Hey, uh, I, I heard about some shoot down in Louisiana and it, it, you know, I heard this bow, don't remember what it's called, but it shot this. And then the next guy would come back is no, no, it's, it, it shot this much and it was called this. And we just bannered that back and forth for several days. And finally somebody gets on it. No, I know for a fact it's called Botech. I talked to the guy, it shot 353, and the next place was 305. It's legit, I'm telling you, and it, it just started this spark and the fire started going. So that's really how he started a lot of the sales in in um, in the first year. So that's... And after that, it became, yeah, a lot of people wouldn't buy new bows because they were waiting for us to come out with ours and see what we had for new new bows every year because we were, we were coming out with new products that were just really superior every year wow that's really that's really a great story i'm glad you shared it hey we're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsor we'll be right back the men in the arena is a nonprofit organization with a mission to help men become their best version and change their world the war to change your world is epic every battle counts and every man in the arena matters our closed facebook forum for men appropriately called men in the arena is a great way for you to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world there we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Hey, because of my passion to see men get out of the bleachers into the arena, I want to offer a free resource to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email. We'll send you a PDF copy of the field guide. This is my 365-day bathroom book for men. It's a study of manly words in the Bible illustrated with great stories. This is a great resource for all of our arena men. Guys, you're going to love this book. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those in the anonymous bleachers pleading for you to get in the arena today? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So, so John, ever since I've known you, you've really been very outspoken about putting God first in your business and that you have actually shared numerous times with me personally that that your businesses have been built by God, like like God's miraculous workings uh, with your business. So h- how do you keep God first in business? Like for our guys listening to this podcast, many, many, many of our guys are business owners. How do you keep them first? It's really easy to say what you do, but how do you do it? What are some things that you do as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, to keep Christ first in your business? Well, I think... First and foremost, you have to decide to do it. Uh, if you don't make the commitment to do it, you probably won't. Um, you probably like to, you'd like, and you might try some things, but you really won't know what to do or how to do it because you really haven't committed fully to it. So that means uh, understanding where wisdom comes from and where guidance comes from and how the Lord's plan is better than your plan. And if you understand that and you listen and learn and not, uh, you know, not, basically stay focused again, that's, I love that word, uh, you, you'll be focused on the right thing. But if you don't, you're focused on business. You're not focused on that. Now, I'm not saying that all day long it's all we do is pray and 
you know, we're spiritual and we're focused on the Lord no matter what. It just that's not that's not what I mean. What I mean is that you have to in everything that you communicate and everything that you do, you have to uh, portray the Lord as the center of, or or at least uh, the business is is Bible centered, is is God based. And so that's kind of the name of ours was for him fruit group that focuses you right there. And, and it's saying, that's what we're, that's what our name is. That's who we are. Uh, when we put scripture on the bags, that's who we are. That's part of it. I, I, you've got my emails at the, at the bottom. It says blessings. Um, it, it says things to, and everything you do basically that says, this is who I am. This is my core. And if you don't do that, if you're kind of halfway, you'll only be halfway. And then you know, I, I'm a firm believer that you're blessed according to how you, you know, how you walk and how you, uh, how you live your life for Christ, for Christ. And so and I think that's the biggest thing that you have to focus on why you're in business, who gives you the wisdom, what are you doing? If it's strictly for making money, may not be the best thing to be focused on. Of, of every business needs to make money. Don't get me wrong. I, I like making money, but I like making money because it allows me to do other things, not to spend money. I don't, you know, again, it's the Lord's. If I die with nothing, it's, it's great. But what I want to be able to do is say, Lord, you, you blessed me with this much and I increased it. I did more. I like, you know, kind of like a parable of the talents you're going to use what you have to glorify him to build a kingdom to do the things that are most important and money isn't you can be broken be honoring god and you can be rich and be honoring god it that isn't it's the focus of what you're doing and how you're doing it that is really the core of the business that i think is imperative or otherwise you probably won't succeed or you you may succeed in money but you're losing out and all the rest of it. Well, one of the things I've seen, John, which <clears throat> is why I appreciate you so much, you have not fallen temptation to this. I've seen a lot of uh, entrepreneurs uh, find great success in their business, and as they veer into their business, they just get a little off course, and they veer away from the local church and um, and ministering with and to God's people. And I, I'm, I'm not going to judge them, but based on their actions, it seems like the money has led them away from the things of God and into the things of pleasure. And somehow they lost their mojo, so to speak, or they've lost their core, or as you would say, they've lost their focus. How, how would you, what would you tell a, a young business guy who's rising up through the ranks? Hey, buddy, here's how you protect this core in the midst of financial and business success. What are some things that you've done to guard that? You're still involved in your local church. Or you're still a board member, I think, aren't you there at your local church? Yeah. And so you're still highly involved in your local church. Uh, I know you 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 move you, you do go away for a season to get away from the Oregon weather, but you're very involved in your community. What, what would you tell these young entrepreneurs? Uh, how would you warn them to stay focused on the core things? Well, I think involvement is part of it. You, I mean, just like being part of this podcast or a ministry of any kind. I think if you're not, you're really not having an opportunity to be fed and be balanced to, guys will balance you out i mean your friends will balance you out your your business associates will balance you out but you have to have that uh, ministry uh, we i mean i lead 
Sunday school every Sunday. And, uh, and then we also have a Bible study here every Wednesday. If you don't have that, you can easily become way off kilter. You, you can go off in all kinds of directions. I think that's part of what, what keeps you balanced is the Lord and understanding that that can keep you focused. And the focus isn't, it shouldn't be on your business. The focus should be on what the Lord wants and what you, what's right for his plan. And, and it, the Lord wants to bless you. The Lord, there's no doubt that he loves to bless you and he will bless your business. I'm, I'm convinced if your motives and your focus and your, your whole life is kind of in the right balance. And that's what I just try to do. And that, as you get older, I know I've been tempted to, you know, made a bunch of money and think about retiring and just going off and, you know, and then I, and I see guys like I'm talking to a guy that now that's 80 years old, owns several businesses. His business is actually affecting other businesses in, in the kingdom business, basically, of helping men, uh, men in business, mentor them. And he's 80 years old and he just started another business. And he's actually looking at maybe buying into us as well. So, it's, I mean, you look at that and you go, I'm 64. What have I got any business looking at retiring? Maybe I slow down a little bit, but, you know, you, what am I going to do? Am I going to go sit around? Where's the balance? Where's the effective ministry? If, if you look at business as a ministry, which we do, where's that? We're ministering to our employees. We're ministering to the people who, uh, in some cases, uh, buy our bags. And we get a few of them to go, I'm not going to buy your product anymore if you want to push your religion on us. Um, <laughs> But very, 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 very few of those those people, and tons of people say, "I love it." You put that on the back. I'll be a customer for life. I love this product, and love that you 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 know you say that and and you stand for something. So that's I think if you don't have something like that, what are you going to do? Go off and you know sit on a rocking porch and you know, on a rocking chair on the porch and do nothing. <laughs> I don't know. That's not me. Well, it seems like a lot of guys do have that idea in their mind, though. Make the money. Uh, I guess the word would be isolate. Isolate themselves from work, from uh, their calling, and just relax and ride the wave and and sit in a hammock in Tahiti somewhere. And uh, I just don't think that's a biblical model for manhood. What do you think? I Well, I'd challenge you to say... Uh, show me in the Bible where it says you're supposed to go to age 66 and retire. Uh, yeah. He doesn't say that at all. <laughs> he says, you're to run the race. You're to finish the race. You're to run strong and keep going. This is, I think, one of the keys too is if you don't have a ministry mindset, you have nothing to keep going with because yeah. you'll burn out. You want to retire. You've got enough money. It'll look it'll, grass is greener when you go play golf and oh it's such a beautiful deal and these other guys are retired and they play all the time and, and you got to go back to work you look at that and, and have nothing to do but that if you don't have some kind of a ministry some reason to continue on we have people in our church there's a, I can give you a good example there's a guy in our church who retired and I mean you cannot get him to do anything he won't volunteer he won't do anything shows up at church every Sunday but that is it he retired. He's done. Well, I, that's crazy to me. I just, uh, you've got a ministry, if nothing else. Now you've got opportunity to help more, to be involved more, to to volunteer more, to, you know, use your skills that you've learned all your life. I, 
I don't, I don't, I'm not a retiring kind of guy. I can slow <laughs> down a little bit. I feel like sometimes, but. <laughs> well, and earlier in the podcast, John, you talked about uh, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills is a verse that you really like and that, and that you're a steward of, of these things that God gives you. I mean, you also use the income that you make to steward God's kingdom financially. So it's more than just your own ministry. It's about the financial blessings that you can offer to others through your business. Yeah, so not only that, uh, all your employees as well. You're hoping that you're affecting your employees and the ones that um, you know do hopefully either are saved or are gonna, you know, gonna be saved will also support the ministry and reach out and grow and and help others and and use their finances that they get from this job so it's not only just me it's it's you really you're affecting a lot of people but there's a lot of people in this town that go to our church that work for me and you know, that's a that's a big deal to to the church of course because it's a big support and uh, most of those most of those people support it you know regularly now, do you, you know, I, I think it's really interesting. You talked about the Bible and retirement. You know, before the fall of man, God had made Adam. Eve isn't even on the scene yet. So God had made Adam and he puts him, he makes him in the wilderness. He puts him in the garden and he says, now your job is to cultivate the land. In other words, your job is to work. <laughs> he put him to work. And I thought, exactly. wow, this is a pre-fall state. This is, this is when Adam is still in the original image of God, and God is putting him to work. How do you, your theology, uh, when you talk about God and your theology of work, do you, how do you view work and our image as image bearers of Christ? How do you bear, how do you see that as far as uh, how men are wired? Well, I don't think there's any doubt men are wired to work. I think if you look at welfare or people that are maybe not even able to work, they'd love to work. They, some may not say that, but really when, when man works, uh, it does a lot of things. It, 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 it helps your self-esteem. It helps physically. It helps mentally. Uh, it, it, it provides for your family. It, there's just no doubt that we're, we're wired to work and we should be and that some people, you know, really don't like to work. Um, those people I'd probably say is, well, what are you working for? Why are you, why don't you like to work? And then you'll find out kind of where their focus is by that. But if your focus is right, it should be on what uh, God's giving you and the abilities and the skills and, and knowledge and wisdom and, that you're able to use uh, in the best way possible. And it doesn't matter. I, I'm big on there's nobody that works for me that's any better than I am, and I'm not one bit better than any of them. I don't care what I'm doing, whether I'm pushing a broom or, or what. You're still, you still have the same opportunity to be have the focus right, have your attitude right, work for the Lord in whatever you do, and enjoy life. And it, I don't, I, I don't begrudge anybody that's working for ten, fifteen dollars an hour and just enjoying life. In fact, I envy them. It's they just enjoy life. I've got guys, you know, they punch in, they punch out. And the rest of the time they're with their family or they're with their church or with their, and I envy them because they can do that. Um, that's, that's a, that's a great balance. They're not looking to get ahead and buy the latest and greatest or, you know, leave a jillion dollars to somebody. That's that. And that's, that's great. That's what we're wired for. Yeah. And it's really interesting, John, that you say that. Cause when I have, when I visit your, your facility, you interact with the employees like they're your, 
buddies, like they're your brothers and sisters, not like you're their warlord over top of them, you know. And it was really interesting because when you did sell Botech, just being a guy who's a couple hours away, there was a rumble in the jungle because they were, and this is just me telling you what I've heard out there, that 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 the new ownership did not care for the employees the way that John Strasheim and his team cared for the employees. And so there was a stewardship of people that you were, that you stewarded very well at Botech. We tried to, um, we actually, uh, sent out a, with every paycheck, we sent out kind of a spiritual, um, encouragement type note or, uh, like you, you read from, uh, daily bread or dove media, or, you know, they got some of these things that just to kind of a, a lift you up and show you, remind you that, Hey, this is what we're working for. Even the people who didn't, um, uh, come to our Bible studies. And by the way, with that, they were invited to our Bible studies all the time. And I, my attorney said, I, I said, can I have a Bible study? And can I tell everybody we are a Christian company? And can I invite them to a Bible study? And he says, by law, absolutely you can. But he says, I wouldn't recommend it. And I said, <laughs> why is that? He said, because you'd be inviting litigation. I said, can I win? He said, yes, he said, I, I can defend you. But he said, you're inviting litigation by doing it. I said, okay, great. And so we did it, of course. And we sent out a letter and said, you're, you know, everybody's in, invited to the Bible study. We will adjust our shifts accordingly if need be. So you can, you can punch in, punch out and, and do that. And I said, you'll never be discriminated for not coming to Bible study or or advance because you do come in the Bible study. That is just an opportunity. And everyone's got the same level playing field here. And it really showed. And then when we'd have barbecues or something where you'd have all employees kind of get together, but I'd lead in prayer or my general manager would lead in prayer. And, so, and I remember one little young gal turned around when I was praying and turned around to my general manager. She, she said, she said, he can't do that. You can't pray in public. <laughs> And the gentleman said, oh, yes, he can. This is a private corporation. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> and so that was the only thing I really got back. But but people saw that. They wanted to work. I have several people that work for me now that work for me at Botech, several. Um, and, you know, they, they loved it. And, and we treat them right. That's what you should be doing. That's They're not any different than I am. So, John, how do you here's – here's something that I envy about you. How do you – stay so focused, so engaged? How do you stay in the game working so hard over such a long period of time when you don't have to work? I mean, I realize that. But how do you protect yourself against weariness? Are there certain things, you know, you say you don't have a lot of hobbies, but clearly you must be doing something to protect yourself against weariness. Does your wife keep you in line? I mean, what are some things that, what do you do to guard yourself uh, from weariness? Well, actually, um, it, it is it, it is a, a, a something that I deal with because I don't have a hobby, and so we're when we do get a little spare time, it's, can we kind of like look at each other? Okay, what do you want to do? Well, what do you want to do? And so we we're spending time together, but we're, a lot of times we're really not doing anything because I don't have that. But it, but I try to keep um, I, I, I try to keep her happy and her life in you know in tune because she keeps mine. Uh, when I'm not working, that's that's great. But with me, it's a lot of it's just the drive to win. It isn't the 
that the you know the uh, you're going to come up with a jillion dollars. It's I played sports. I was I played four years. I lettered four years in baseball, and I played basketball and football. I like winning. I don't care what I'm doing. I like to win. And if if we were playing checkers, I'd like to win. That's just the drive, I guess, I've got. And so I, that probably keeps me going as much as anything. I, business is a challenge, and um, you you know you learn to deal with those challenges the best you can and keep it balanced. But I still like to win, so that keeps the drive there. Um, but I, I do have a problem with not having enough uh, uh, things to do in leisure. So what I'll look for is, well, let's buy a piece of property and build a house. We can sell it and make some money here, and we can – we like building and we like designing. And so it's, it's kind of our, almost like a hobby slash business, but, uh, or you can kind of do both, but you know, to be uh, these guys that go out hunting and fishing um, or have, you know, woodworking hobbies or whatever. I, I'd love to have that, but I just don't think I can take the time to do that as much as I should. And so I don't. So when you're in Arizona, do you work while you're down there the whole time or are you, do you relax down there at all or? Well, that's, uh, we bought a house down there and we go down occasionally, not near as much as I, I'd like. In fact, we just ended up selling it. Oh, so I don't have one down there now, but, <laughs> uh, we, uh, the, the, the time we're down there, I set up an office and I was able to do work while I'm down there, but I, it's because I could, that left, that late allowed me to do, uh, two to three weeks down there. I don't think I ever spent three weeks, but uh, I could I could do a lot of the work down there and have people up here kind of doing some things that I could rely on. So that was more of a vacation than it was work, but I still was able to work when I needed to. So, John, if you could go back, go back 44 years and talk to your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give that guy? Well... 20 years, 44 years, it means I would have been married. So I would have definitely got married because I absolutely adore my wife and she's <laughs> my best friend. In 45 years, it just gets better and better. I, it sounds cliche type to say that, but it really is. Um, the thing that I probably would uh, uh, wish I could have told myself was number one, get saved earlier. Mm. I was 28 when I got saved. Um, when I was 28, it was all about me. Um, you know, I was playing sports app. I was playing two or three nights a week in basketball and, and had these businesses. And every time, every spare minute, I would go play basketball and not my family. And so it was more important. I, I, I thought to myself, what do I need the Lord for? You know, I got, I got everything. I got a good job. I got a beautiful wife. I got two kids. I got leisure. I love basketball. I mean, we just kept on and on. And then, and of course, reality hits, and you know you do need Christ. And when you do, why didn't I do this earlier? And this is silly. Um, so that would be number one thing. And then probably would have been focus on the kids a lot earlier. Mm. I should have spent way more time. That should have been much more of a focus. Instead, it was the driving that I had to be driven to succeed and do all that at the expense of my my kids. So I, that's why I think focus is probably the biggest thing. The, biggest word focus and balance is because you can't get that without being focused on the right things and knowing that you need balance. So, so do me a favor here. Let's let's, I'm just really curious. Walk me through the typical day in the life of John Strasheim. 
What do you get? What time do you get up in the morning? What are the first five things you do? And then what what do you, what time do you go to bed at night? Walk me through like uh, let's walk through your uh, let's say tomorrow. Well, um, I usually get up at about uh, between five thirty and six, and and I'm usually in the office here between seven thirty and eight. And I won't tell you the first five things I do after I get out of bed. That's you know that's probably personal, but <laughs> but you wouldn't want to know. Either. No, I don't. Trust me. I have to shave my head. That yep. takes a while, you know. Oh, preach it. Uh, yeah, we got the same haircut. Yeah, but, we do. But uh, then I'm I'm at the office and uh, just doing the normal stuff you do in the office. You've got employees. You've got uh, you've got problems that you deal with all the time that either cropped up or going to crop up that day. You've got meetings. You've got phone calls, and it's a standard type thing. Usually, go to lunch. A lot of times with a few employees or, you know, my son and, 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 uh, our sons that work for me and, uh, and usually get out of here about five or five thirty, and, and then go home and crash for a little bit and then get restless and say, I'm going to go draw or I'm going to, you know, I'm tired of doing, I'll go exercise. So I, you know, don't want to sit around all night, but that's probably most of it right there. Um, Study the Word every morning. Um, read the Bible before I go to work, and and then uh, I, of course, we've got the Bible studies that, that I lead and, and do as well. So, kind of do that, work that in, and that's about it. How do you find time to watch TV? <laughs> I don't hear. I, I don't. You, you, wait, you don't watch Netflix? <laughs> I'm the I'm the I'm the worst guy in the world because I I do not keep much of a calendar. So what happens is is I. I react all day long. Mm. So whatever comes up, basically I react to, and I, and I like that. I, if I plan, you know, everything goes off plan anyway, usually and things. And so I just try to, I, I have to keep somewhat of a calendar because of important meetings and things, but for the most part, I, I don't necessarily do that. And so when you get at the end of the day, you've dealt with so much, you almost, I almost have to go, and watch TV for a little bit to just sit and relax. So kind of let the mind. And and I'm 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 an entertainment guy. TV. I'm not a let's let's listen to something that gets me worked up or doing it. Just I just want to sit here and be entertained for a while. Let my mind relax, and then you know I can, I'm I'm good. Go to so, your nothing box and just hang out yeah, in that nothing right. box. <laughs> well, hey, uh, so. I had one more question for you. Hey, I want to have a little fun with this podcast because we're we're friends and I know your story. So tell us about your college education. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I have. Uh, you can call me Colonel. Let's put it that way, <laughs> because my college education was actually done and finished while I was in high school. My senior year, um, I went to the. Uh, Rocky Mountain College of Auctioneering in Billings, Montana. It was a two-week course. Uh, I took a week off school and took the spring break and went there. Uh, they work you from 7 in the morning till 10 at night for two weeks. And when you get done, you've graduated Rocky Mountain College of Auctioneering. And you are now officially called a colonel. So that's the extent of my college education. <laughs> <laughs> now, what that's ironic, you are fairly close to the University of Oregon. And you have, on occasion, went in there and taught classes. Not, not to the University of Oregon, into uh, uh, New Hope Christian College. Oh, okay. What do you tell them about college? Uh, they don't ask. I don't tell. 
they want to know about they want to know about life experiences or business i'll tell them but uh nobody asked me hey where'd you graduate or what did you do in school i didn't go to school so uh i went to school of hard knocks yeah but i'll tell you what you're an impressive man and uh, it's an honor to be called your friend and to have you on my show and so uh john thanks so much for coming on today uh, sharing your wisdom being authentic and being very very focused on your uh relationship with god and how you care about people so thanks so much man I, I got, can I add one thing? Absolutely. I got one thing to add. I love what you're doing. I think it's extremely important. And I know you've had Ray Howell on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've sent you, uh, I think, Todd Pierce with the Riding High Ministries. Guys like you and guys like us that are on the outside are extremely important to, to making this work. If the ones that are on the outside don't get involved with you in your ministry or your whole series or like Ray and, and when they have the opportunity or riding high or any of those, there's tons of other ministries probably that are geared towards men. I would say get out and get involved some way. You, it will be nothing but a blessing to you and it'll certainly help the ministry and bless the, those people. So and thanks that's so what much. I'd encourage everybody to do. Thanks so much, John. I appreciate that. So, guys, hey, this is our boots-on-the-ground moment. What's next? What action step will you take because of what you heard from John today? Guys, here it is. Here's the one. Uh, I want you to be thinking about this. January is winding down by the time you get this podcast. If you're like millions of guys out there, so are your New Year's resolutions. The average resolution lasts about 16 days. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, John said he just takes risks. He doesn't even think about it. So I want you in 2019 to think about this. What big thing will you do for God in 2019? So what we'll do, guys, I will post uh, that reminder and ask that question on my weekly blog uh, when we release this podcast interview with John. We will post it in the Men in the Arena, and so we'll have 10,000-plus men from all over the world interacting. So I want you to be thinking right now, what is the big thing that you're going to do for God in 2019. Maybe it's one word. Maybe it's one event. Maybe it's starting a new business. Maybe it's re-engaging with your kids. What thing will you do, guys? We want to hear about it. We want to hear from you. We believe that you are called to be the best version of yourself in Christ. Guys, you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. We have some amazing resources that will help you on your journey to become your best version. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you download our free Men in the Arena app with tons of resources that come alongside of you on your journey to manliness. Enjoy the join the Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. In our passion to help all arena men, we're offering an excellent free resource when you visit our homepage at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email, and we'll send you a free PDF version of Jim's book for men called The Field Guide bathroom book for men. It's a daily study of manly words in the Bible and explained with great stories. Thank you for listening to this episode, the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, thank you for joining men in the arena from around the world who are becoming their best version. And remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins.
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.